Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hey, culminators, thank you very much for joining us today. Anybody know this guy, The Persistence, with 1.3 million followers? And I would venture one of the most well, not only recognizable, but well-liked personalities in the conservative movement today. Scott Pressler, thank you so much for finding time to get us in here. You are all over the place, all over, you're persistently and consistently uh, all over the place. What's going on these days? Hey, Ron. Well, I just arrived here in Hudson, Wisconsin. We're in St. Croix, and I'm literally just across the border from Minnesota, and we're going to be doing an event with Tom Tiffany, a congressman in the great state of Wisconsin, because I'm here for a Supreme Court race, so I'm all in here in Wisconsin. You have been tweeting intensely about this Wisconsin Supreme Court race. I am fascinated by the breadth of your knowledge of local politics all over the country. Uh, you know, um, back when the famous Curtis Sliwa was a radio personality mm -hmm. in New York, I was I was always so impressed. And of course, he, he had spent all these days as a um, the guardian angels. He knew every corner of New York City. He knows. I mean, he's not he's still with us. The guy, you know, I, you seem to know every corner of the entire United States. H how, do you, how do you assimilate all this information? Well, everyone always says that politics is local. And so I'm trying to bring that understanding of the local perspective at a national level, which is kind of ironic if you th think about it. But this year in 2023, we've got important races going on across the United States. And so I'm trying to use my platform to bring attention to those. And the first one on April 4th is the Wisconsin State Supreme Court race. And just so I can provide your Please. viewers a little bit of background information on what this means and why the heck I'm here in Wisconsin. Well, right now, conservatives control the Supreme Court. So it's four Republicans to three Democrats. However, one Republican is retiring. And you know what that means? That means that if we don't elect Justice Daniel Kelly on April 4th, the court could easily flip from four to three Republican to four to three Democrat. Now, why is this critical and why is this important? Well, recently, the Supreme Court here in Wisconsin ruled that unmanned drop boxes are unconstitutional. That's a good thing. That's great because unmanned drop boxes means that you're going to have drop boxes in Milwaukee, Madison, and Eau Claire, and there's going to be no election integrity to make sure that shenanigans are not happening. Well, if the court flips to liberal, 
then you're going to see unmanned drop boxes going into 2024 with the all-important presidential election. And a lot of people don't know this, Ron, but we actually have voter ID laws in the state of Wisconsin. It is required that you show photo ID in order to vote. And we also have proof of residency in order to register to vote in the state of Wisconsin. Well, I want to be overt and clear with my messaging. If we do not elect Justice Daniel Kelly on April 4th, voter ID is gone. Proof of residency is gone. Unmanned drop boxes on every street corner, and there will be no election integrity going into the 2024 presidential election. And this is, a, 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 you know, to sort of square the circle, what, what listeners have to understand is, going back to your original point about all politics being local, in voting cases especially, all politics and all voting rights and all voting integrity cases are local, not only because of where what, what are the inclinations of your judges in a given state, but because the Supreme Court will, for all practical purposes, not touch a voting integrity case if they're satisfied that a given state's procedures have been followed, uh, at, least, at least since the civil rights era. Absolutely. That's a gigantic point. So, and so, those, so these are the kind of things that you're protecting and working on, obviously. Now that I've gotten the snapshot, you mentioned your platform. What is your platform? Uh, your platform, meaning your social media platform, those 1.3 million followers. What, ha, what is it? What, what's, your, what's, the, what's the idea? What's the Scott Pressler project? Saving America? Well, I guess... My ultimate motto or credo is I want people to understand I'm one guy and I work for myself. I don't work for the RNC or the GOP. And I want people to know that I'm one person who's been able to make a difference in society because I believe in I can. And There's no I'm Scott Pressler organization. Well, no... I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, Ron. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, oh, there is. but I want people to know that I started from very humble beginnings. I started as a dog walker working at an elementary school, and I was inspired by President Obama because I realized that I was only a voter. Where was I knocking on doors and registering voters and getting out the vote? And I realized that because I was only a voter, not being an active participant in our constitutional republic, that I was a part of the problem because I wasn't a part of the solution. And so my first ever job was helping to elect now Governor Greg Abbott in the great state of Texas. And like many of you listening right now, we never wanted Hillary Clinton to set foot in the White House ever again. And so I spent two years of my life working to defeat Hillary Clinton, electing Donald Trump as the 45th president of the United States. But my life changed forever in 2019. President Trump brought attention to the city of Baltimore, Maryland, and he had some choice words talking about the city. But I was really disappointed in society. I was disappointed in America because everybody was so quick to talk about the problem of trash. And they were showing videos and they were getting likes and tweets and, and clicks. But nobody was offering a hand up to the community. And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna go to the city of Baltimore. I'm gonna do a trash cleanup. And the tweet went viral and everybody wanted to help. And it was an act of love and an act of community. And within seven days, we organized 200 volunteers and we picked up 12 tons of trash in 12 hours in one single day. And I thought to myself, wait a second, I'm not the government. 
I don't have millions of dollars at my disposal, but look at what we were able to accomplish without the government. And so I thought, why don't we do cleanups everywhere? We did. We went to Atlanta, Austin, Baltimore, Chicago, Denver, Duquesne, Detroit, Houston, Kenosha, Los Angeles, Miami, Milwaukee, Nashville, Portland, Pittsburgh, Philly. I was protested for picking up trash on the streets of San Francisco, California. Well, you're not a member of the union. Let's start there, right? <laughs> you're a scam. Well, well, if I were a Democrat, I joke all the time. If I were a Democrat and I were doing all of these voter registration uh, events and cleanups, I would be hailed as a hero. I would be the Greta Thunberg of the Republic. <laughs> you know what I mean? But because I'm, because I'm a conservative, you know, I am the the enemy of the Democrat Party. It doesn't help to be gay. <laughs> I thought that well, was, a, I, I guess Rick Grinnell is the lesson, right? It, it doesn't help. Just like being black doesn't help if you're, if you're on the wrong party. Being gay, being Jewish, none of these things help if you're in the wrong party. If you're in the right party, nothing else matters. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wrong think because we're conservative, because we don't hold the same views and values of the Democrat Party. But more importantly, I do want to briefly and tangentially talk about what I'm working on now, because, Please. Ron, I'm tired of losing. I'm so tired of losing elections and I'm tired of the Democrats voting for two months while Republicans vote for 13 hours. And that's why on January 23rd of this year, I launched a pack called Early Vote Action, earlyvoteaction.com, because it's my contention. And I know you at home, I know that you support election integrity as I do. And I know you don't like what I'm about to say to you, but please lend me your ear for a moment. It's my contention that if Republicans don't engage in all of the above approach to voting, meaning election day voting, early voting, early in-person voting, mail-in voting, absentee voting, and where legal ballot harvesting, if we don't do all of those things, we're simply not going to be successful in 2024, and we're not going to take back the White House, and it's going to be very difficult for our country to come back. And so early vote action is focused on five key states, Arizona, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin which is why I'm here in the great state of Wisconsin. Our goal is to build early voting and mail-in voting infrastructures to make sure that we are locking in votes early. So then as we slide into election day, the number of voters becomes fewer and fewer that we have to knock on their door, make a phone call, write a postcard, get them to vote. And so we can use our time effectively and efficiently locking in every single vote going into election day and that way we're finally going to win elections again. So Those this are... is the beginning of the Scott Pressler organization. This <laughs> for the first time, Scott has gone corporate. And... <laughs> yeah, still still with humble beginnings that I will never forget. But yes. Yeah, they time, all say that. It's time to finally have an organization that I'm going to be able to amplify my work focus on those five key states and take back the White House in 2024. And it's already working. I've been on radio programs. I'm on with you, of course, right now with Ron Coleman. But Steve Bannon had me on to talk about early voting. And let me tell you, Wisconsinites, today, uh, the 21st of March, early voting began today. 
our numbers are looking strong for Republicans. And so I think this message is finally breaking through the barrier. But you know where it started? It started in Arizona. What happened in Arizona in November 2022 on Election Day? We told the Democrats where we're throwing the football. We told them our strategy. We're waiting to vote on one day. What happened on one day in November 2022 in the great state 48? 30% of machines had tabulation errors coincidentally on election day. That is factual. I'm not saying anything that is non-factual. And therefore, thousands of Republicans were disenfranchised because they waited to vote on one day. And it's my contention that had we engaged in early in-person voting and mail-in voting and amplified our numbers, that Carrie Lake would be governor of the great state 48 today, and Blake Masters would be senator, and Abe Hamaday would be attorney general. But there's one other reason why we must engage in early voting. I'm speaking to you right now, looking outside my window and seeing snow everywhere. I'm telling you, it snowed from Kenosha to Milwaukee to Ozaki to Racine to Rock to Sheboygan. I've had snow everywhere I've been for the last two weeks here in Wisconsin. And it's very likely to snow on election day on April 4th. Now, where I'm going with this is think about Nevada. In Washoe County, in Reno, where our people, Republicans, the mountain folk live, did you know that it snowed on election day in Nevada in 2022? Do you know how many votes that Adam Laxalt lost by? 8,000. 8,000 votes. You're exactly right. Because I saw now, your I saw your pinned tweet. That's why. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but do you know how many Republicans stayed home on election day in November 2022? I don't. 150,000. 150,000 Republicans stayed home, didn't vote, and we lost by 8,000. It's my contention that Wisconsin and Nevada are neither blue nor purple. They are both red states. And had we engaged in early in-person voting, had we engaged in mail-in voting, had we engaged in Nevada in legal ballot harvesting, today we would have Senator Adam Laxalt in the great state of Nevada. Why has it taken us so long to learn this, Scott? We have to learn the hard way. You know, look, I'm a Taurus. My mom always told me that sometimes you have to learn the hard way in life. And I think you're I'm bullheaded. A little, I'm a little stubborn, bullheaded, bullish. And unfortunately, Republicans had to learn the hard way in 2022. In other words, Republicans tend to follow rules and they say, here's election day. Good. That's the day when I go to vote. Yeah. Democrats ask, what do I need to do to win? Without Again. even coming on to cheating. Without even coming on to cheating. What do I need to do to win? Republicans say, what are the rules? Well, and I really want to expand upon why we've been successful, where we have been successful. Because right now, Republicans, we only have a narrow majority in the House of Representatives. Do you know why we have a narrow majority in the House of Representatives? California. Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin. No one's talking about this. Lee Zeldin in New York, California, and Florida are the reasons why we have the House of Representatives the right three now. Reddest, the three bluest states in the country. Well, and and, it's not Florida, obviously. But, but two of the three. And you know why? Because we engaged in ballot harvesting in California. 
because the Democrats, they're smarter than us. I'm going to give them credit. The Democrats aren't stupid. Oh, you know I can't believe it. It always frustrates me when people talk about how dumb Democrats are. Say, no. Are you kidding? They know exactly what they're doing, including they are, when they say stupid things. Those stupid things are not meant to demonstrate intelligence. They're meant to message, to influence people, to reassure people on uh, in their base. Never underestimate your enemy. Well, and here's the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats lost 2016, right? We elected Donald Trump as the 45th president of the United States. They didn't just whine and complain. You know what they did? They changed the law. They changed the rules and they allowed for ballot harvesting in California. And what happened in 2018 in the midterm election, every single Republican congressional district in the once Republican stronghold of Orange County, California, went from red to blue. They took the House. They did the Mueller investigation. They made it difficult for us to pass any legislation going into 2020. And ultimately, the Democrats were successful. However, Republicans finally got smart and they started doing legal ballot harvesting of their own. What happened in 2020 after they started doing legal ballot harvesting? Well, guess what? We won with Young Kim in 2020, flipping an Orange County seat from blue to red. We won with Michelle Steele in Orange County, flipping a seat from blue to red. And furthermore, we not only held those two seats in 2022, but despite California losing a congressional seat, because everybody's playing New York and California, we actually picked up a congressional seat with Duarte. We won with Mike Garcia when he just barely won in 2020 with like 500 more votes than his Democratic opponent. So the fact of the matter is because in California, we engaged in an all of the above approach to voting, including election day, early voting, early in-person voting, mail-in voting, absentee voting, and where legal ballot harvesting, because we did that, we picked up seats and we now have a narrow majority in the House of Representatives. And furthermore, one last point, because of the leadership and the messaging of Lee Zeldin, who should, by the way, be governor in New York, because we only lost by 500,000 votes. Did you know that? Kathy Hochul only lost by 500,000 votes when in New York, there are 1.5 million likely Republican unregistered voters. New York, if we actually got every single gosh darn Republican out to vote, we would win the state of New York and the Democrats would never be able to win again. But it's all up here. And that's why we must have a positive mindset going into 2024. And more importantly, we must not only have faith, but we must couple that with action. And that's why at earlyvoteaction.com, I'm writing and I will be soon publishing a ballot harvesting manual for all 50 states across the country that has all the rules, laws, statutes, regulations, that whether you're in Wyoming, Texas, California, New York, Maine, you will know what are the legal avenues that you will be able to ballot harvest so we can lock in votes and win in 2024. Scott, you have, you've got this all so well organized in your head. I hear it just <laughs> flowing out. I mean, there's some people I interview and I can tell they're giving me their sound bites. That's not what's happening here. I'm talking to a legitimate person who is just opening up shoots and <laughs> ideas and creativity are coming out. How did you get to this point? You tell me you started out as a door knocker, but what were you before that? Do you have a PhD well, in physics? Do you, uh, are, are you a French <laughs> major? What's the story? 
Oh gosh, not physics. I was good at chemistry and biology, but I'm terrible at physics. No, <laughs> I went to George Mason University, which is why I have this ring on my finger, George oh. Mason. And I studied- Where'd you grow up? I Well, I grew up in Florida. I was born <laughs> in Jacksonville. And see, oh, I've been hanging out with New Yorkers. Florida, that's, that's South Florida though, right? <laughs> well- Nor Northern Florida and Jacksonville and Duval. And actually, today's election day in Duval County. So if this is being released today, get out and vote in the mayoral election in Duval County, Florida. That's today. Okay, well, that'll be too late for this, but but uh, we will both get on social media after we, uh, we're finished with this and make sure to remind everybody. But I was born to a retired Navy captain. And so after moving from Florida, we moved to Northern Virginia, where my dad taught at the Naval War College and also worked at the Pentagon Department of Defense. So I grew up in Northern Virginia, attended George Mason University, got a Bachelor's of Science in Criminal Justice. And clearly, because I studied criminal justice, I'm going into politics. And uh, I started off as a dog walker. I couldn't find a job under President Obama. So I did what I had to do to make some money. And I ended up working at an elementary school. And during this time at the elementary school, President Obama was reelected. And I decided that I wanted to go in a different direction in my life. And I wanted to dedicate my life to politics. And so all of this knowledge that I've garnered and I've gleaned over the years has been an evolution of just collecting that information and narrowing the focus of what it takes in order to win elections. And that's why I'm here today with early vote action. I mean, choosing George Mason as an undergraduate, you must have already been pretty political when you were in high school, right? Uh, to an extent, you know, I want to make it clear. I've always been conservative. I was never a Democrat, but I am now cognizant of the difference between an America first Republican and a globalist Republican. The difference between a Rand Paul and a Mitt Romney. And I think there is a stark difference between the two. Oh my gosh. Okay. No one no one listening to this should have to be instructed on that on that on that point. Um so you You how how have you been making a living until now? What well you know? I'm I'm a terrible businessman, Ron. You know, I haven't been asking for money and people probably would question why, but the reason is I never wanted people to mistake why I'm doing this work. And I never wanted there to be uh, a questioning as to whether Scott's Heart was in the movement and that's why i well, think call you a grifter the second you look at something funny exactly. that they don't like if you're collecting a penny or even if you're not collecting money they i mean people use that name all that word all the time if not even seem to have a concept of what it means so i understand your reluctance but at this point if you want to as you said amplify it and leverage it well that takes money. well and that's why i've been staying at people's homes and cuddling with their animals right. and right. and doing a bare bones campaign but I believe that success begets success. And I believe that when people saw the voter registration that I've done in the state of Florida and how I flipped counties like Pinellas County from blue to red and how I worked on Long Island, flipping Nassau County from blue to red, flipping New York's third and fourth congressional districts from blue to red by focusing on voter registration and a robust 
uh, outreach ground game operation. I hope that people can see the value in my work. And that's why this election on April 4th in the state of Wisconsin is one of the first true tests to see what we're able to do with early voting. Are you, have you been approached by the, by official organs of the Republican party? Or do they kind of like keeping you at a distance? I am going to be working with the Republican Party of Oregon and doing an event with them in April. I worked with the Louisiana GOP. We actually have a gubernatorial election. Uh, Jeff Landry, attorney general, is running for governor, and we have the opportunity to flip the governorship from blue to red in October of this year. And more and more Republican parties at the state level have been reaching out to me, which I think shows the growth and success that we have accomplished. Uh, your candidate, you do, do you have, I assume you've got relationships with, with some of these candidates as well. Yes. Well, last year was uh, probably one of the only years that I've had statewide candidates who wanted to bring me on board or at least use me as a uh, piece within their campaign, doing voter registration or training or get out the vote activities. And so I've definitely seen that my trajectory continues to march uphill, which is a sign in the positive direction. When you made the shift from picking up garbage to dealing with garbage politics, <laughs> Did you do you anticipate that this will this is going to be a longer term kind of project than the garbage stuff? Well, I think it's important that we continue to show the philanthropic side of the Republican Party. And we never should let that go because we want to show that Republicans are problem solvers and that we are solutions driven and that we actually want to help the community. And that's why this last week, you know what we did in Milwaukee? We actually did a listening tour. You're, you I, have a very sensitive ear, don't you? <laughs> you really pick up linguistic ticks from all over the country. I'm very impressed. I don't think everyone who interviews you picks up on your little sticks, sh but I'm very impressed. Okay, Milwaukee, go ahead. I love it. Listen, wherever I go, whether it's Long Island or Kenosha, <laughs> I mean, I Florida. Love, really, I love picking up the culture of the place that I'm going. And I think that shows my my love for it. Like I'm sitting here, I'm right next door to a Culver's because here in Wisconsin, we got cheese curds and custard. That is the thing. Anyway. <laughs> and you say we, because you you identify with wherever you are at that time. I do. I noticed several times that you say we. When you're in Wisconsin, it's we. Because, it's, <laughs> because you're an American. Yes, and I'm so sorry. What question was I answering for you? <laughs> it doesn't even really matter. We're having fun, right? No, the question was, I would ask you about the difference between, you know, the sort of static project, the static oh, nature yeah. of picking up yeah. garbage and the long-term changes that have to happen, in, you know, in the voting side. Well, I want to make it clear. Look, um, I'm not just a flash in the pan. I'm here for the long haul. And uh, I want to dedicate, even if I somehow miraculously became a billionaire and I had... Uh, all the wealth at my disposal, I'd still be doing this very job right now because I love it. And I feel like we're making a difference and I feel that freedom is worth fighting for. And so I wanna be doing this for the next 40 years, making sure that we're maintaining our freedom and conservative values. Are you, what, what kind of pushback are you getting from and from whom? Other than well, 
you know, other than the entrenched cities that object to your cleaning up uh, under their underpasses and whatnot? The biggest hurdle right now is I see that we need an educational component. And what I mean by that is we need to alert Republicans about the importance of why we should early vote. For example, like snow on election day or the 30% of machines going down on election day or the fact that 400,000 Democrats already voted in Pennsylvania before Dr. Oz and John Fetterman had their first and only debate or the fact that there's gonna be less time, fewer resources to get our people out to vote, whereas if they voted early, we would have more time and more resources to get them out to vote. And so really the biggest hurdle is going to be selling people with education on the value and importance of doing so. And so part of it is, is us. And I get everyone at home that's listening right now to Ron Coleman and myself, I understand the hesitancy and I understand the reluctance to early voting, but that's why I'm working so hard to try to prove that if we do mail-in voting and early in-person voting, that we will have an opportunity to win. So is your pack going to do media, you know, come up with spots and memes and stuff like that? Well, I think graphics are important. The the shareable graphics on social media, you know, did you know Adam Laxalt lost by 8,000 votes when it snowed on election day and 150,000 Republicans stayed home, vote early, win elections. Something as simple as that. But yeah. yes, I'm making, I've been making the rounds on media. I mean, right now I'm with you, of course, and uh, Charlie Kirk, Steve Bannon. I've been on several radio stations here in Wisconsin, from Dan O'Donnell to Meg Ellison to Vicki McKenna. And so another uh, component is going to be working with other uh, either conservative and or liberal audiences to try to share my message. Hey, you should talk to Carpy Dunkton. He's been known to, to to whip up a a fine meme from time <laughs> to time. Two more questions. One is, and we're gonna, and I'm gonna ask Jeremy to to put uh, earlyvoteaction.com on the screen so that Thank people, you. so we can help you raise some some money. The hair, Scott. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you the stupid question of why your hair your hair is so long because you like it so long. Okay, but do you feel now that if you woke up in the morning and said, I, "I've had it with this. I I I made I need to make Ron and Jeremy wait 15 minutes while I blue dry my hair." Okay, whatever the do you feel trapped by, do you feel like now if you cut it, people are going to think like you're Samson, you lost your strength or, or <laughs> I, like, seriously, I mean, it's become, it is such a, it is such a part of your persona. Do you feel at all like you're a prisoner of it? Well, it definitely um, makes life more difficult sometimes. Like for example, I just traveled from Sheboygan here five hours in the car to Hudson. And so I actually didn't even get a chance to do my hair yet. But uh, sometimes I definitely feel that I have to have it more managed in order to do events. But at the same time, it's the brand. Whenever you see Scott Pressler, you're gonna see my cowboy boots, you're gonna see my hair down, and you're probably gonna see a big old belt buckle around my waist. And you know what, I like that. I like that I'm showing my Midwestern and Southern roots. And I like that, you know, I'm not the quote unquote establishment that you have to be uh, kept and presented in such a way. And I think that's in part why I've been successful because I'm not taking myself so seriously that I can't be who I am. 
Scott, it's really just, it, it's just an amazing story how just one guy decides to do these things. And you've obviously got a media sensibility. And as I said, uh, tongue in cheek before, but it's really true. Obviously, the, the, that sensitive ear that you have is related to your ability to, I think, to understand messaging, what people hear, how they hear it, how they communicate, and, and, and people love you. People really enjoy, you know, they enjoy watching what you're doing. It's so funny, you know, something really rang a bell with me. They're still in our family scrapbook. Uh, I, I was a Cub Scout in Brooklyn. Okay, this must have been 1968 or something. And we did a project cleaning up. There was, because New York has always been filthy and it always will be filthy. So, and so we went to, to like a, um, a traffic divider that was grassy and spent an afternoon uh, cleaning it, cleaning it up. And, and the headline was Cub Scouts clean up the, the neighborhood or something. I'm sure it was filthy in no time at all. Have you ever checked back at any of those locations that you cleaned up to see where, where things stand? Well, one of my proudest accomplishments, because I do get that from people, they go, Scott, you know, you're not solving the problem. You're just putting a Band-Aid on the wound. And I get that. But in part, it's kind of like the broken windows theory that if an area looks bad and no one takes care of it, then nobody else is going to care. And it's just going to continue to uh, to be deleterious to the community. And so my coming in is hopefully going to have people feel more pride for their community. But my most proud accomplishment is from Los Angeles and Van Nuys. The cleanup that we did was we cleaned up 50 five zero tons of trash at a homeless encampment. And actually the reason why this was such an interesting situation is because it was federal property leased to the city, the state of California. So the state of California said, we don't have to clean this. This is federal property. And the federal government said, we don't have to clean this. We're leasing to the state of California. And so this trash was continuing to grow and nobody was doing anything about it. And so the homeless people, they're living there. On one side is the homeless community. On the other side is all of this trash. They actually opened the gate, allowed us into their area. And they worked with us, donning hazmat suits. And together as a family, we cleaned up 50 tons of trash. And that wasn't even everything. That was just a start. But I had an NBC reporter contact me months later, and he said, Scott, I want to let you know that the trash that you cleaned up has stayed clean, that area. And not only that, but because of your work, several of the members of the homeless community that were sleeping out in the street have been moved safely into housing. And so this wasn't just a cleanup, but we were actually impacting lives in a positive manner. And that, for me, was one of the the most rewarding things that I've done. I'm sure it was, Scott. You're an incredible personality. I'm glad we got to know each other a little bit better over this last uh, 40 minutes. And I appreciate your jamming us into your ridiculous schedule. Let's get out there and tell people about that election in... Oh, in uh, Duval. So t today, March 21st, is uh, early in-person voting for Wisconsin. And then also mayoral local elections in Duval County, Florida, Jackson. Florida. Right, buddy. <laughs> Good luck. Hey, thanks, Ron. See you on the other side. Do your hair. It's disgusting. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate sure. it. See ya. 
Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day. Hey.